This is JT for the JT and Looney podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network heading into bowl season. The Super Bowl is right around the corner of the NFL playoffs. If you're gambling, if you want to make money, head to betonline.ag today and take full advantage of all the sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today as they are a proud partner of our podcast. As I traveled to see my parents on October 12, 2020, I began reflecting back on my life and job as a sports talk host. Like most people, I didn't travel much by air during the pandemic. Sitting with a mask on next to a complete stranger, separated by an empty seat in an almost empty airplane, I began to start assembling some notes. I remember back to March 12, 2020, when the COVID-19 virus began to take over the world of sports and have some type of effect on my life, which I haven't come to grips with yet. On that day in March, I was on my way to attend the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena where I live. The night before, fans were asked to not return as COVID was becoming a larger topic in sports and society by the minute. The Pac-12 was only going to let media members attend the remaining games, and I had a credential to go. I had to go see this firsthand. Why wouldn't I want to witness this historic moment in sports in the city where I lived and hosted two sports radio shows? You see, my job is to attend as many live sporting events as I can or watch them on TV and talk about it on the radio. That's it. And more and more sports personalities are watching and attending fewer games while claiming to be reporters, bloggers, or radio talk show hosts. I thought by attending, I'd be able to share this experience with my audience and have some unique content to share with family, friends, and those who might be interested. On my way to the arena to pick up my credential, I was listening to local sports talk, and the announcement came on the air that the Pac-12 was canceling the tournament. That was the exact moment that changed my life and possibly my career as a sports talk host. I pulled into the parking lot at the Palms Casino on Flamingo Road, and I just sat in my car for a few moments. I knew this was big. I should have continued on to the arena to pick up my credential as a memento, and I still regret not doing that. I drove home, and as I walked into my home, I knew that all sports would be affected, and the NCAA basketball tournament would most likely be canceled. This was all happening while I was in the midst of working the most difficult combined radio shifts of my entire 24-year career. A two-hour local show in Las Vegas for Lotus Broadcasting and a four-hour national show from 8 to midnight on Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius XM 82. This life that I was leading on and off the air this past March was stressful and chaotic to begin with, and I had no idea what was going to happen next. I always embraced an intense work schedule as a sports talk host and was proud to be considered somewhat of a workaholic on radio. No one in all of sports radio was working six hours on air solo. 
So it was obviously pretty demanding on my voice and my sleep patterns. I started my career in 1996 after winning a caller contest on the syndicated Jim Rome show and soon began a career in sports talk radio. I tell my entire story in my memoir, The Handoff. I was used to working long hours and shifts as a way of getting ahead and trying to climb the ladder of sports talk, and I have no regrets, I think. I met my wife because I left my career as a stockbroker and moved to Las Vegas in 1996 to work for an upstart sports radio syndicator called Sports Fan Radio Network. If not for that move and meeting several friends in Vegas, I would have never met my wife at the Center Bar at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino on February 15, 1998, as I attended the Rolling Stones concert at the Joint. See, I believe in faith. And if it wasn't for the call into the Jim Rome show, none of this happens. And I really mean none of this. My wife and I moved to San Francisco, where I host multiple shows and become the hardest working man in sports talk. For almost two years, I hosted eight hours a day and night on sports radio. 12 to 3 p.m. on the Ticket 1050, and 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Sports Fan. I also landed a job with the Oakland Raiders in 1998 as their pre- and post-game radio host. In 2001, the year my first son was born, I got hired by Fox Sports Radio. I was there for 17 and a half years, and I consider it the finest achievement of my radio career. The three of us moved to Sherman Oaks, California, and my youngest son was born in 2003. I would travel from Burbank or LAX to Oakland during football season, where I'd work for the Raiders in various media roles. Sports, family, and friends dominated my life, and that still remains the same today. Back to COVID in 2020, which started off one of the craziest years of my life on the radio. On January 16th, my college roommate and great friend Michael traveled to Las Vegas for a business software convention, and we were planning on seeing each other a few times. Mike wasn't feeling well before he got on the plane from Atlanta, but he couldn't miss this important business trip as he was recently hired by a new company. His appendix burst on the flight, and as soon as he landed, he called me. He's like a brother to me, explaining the tremendous pain he was suffering, and I advised him to get to the nearest hospital from where we were staying at the Venetian Hotel. Over the next two months, Michael almost died twice. He had an embolism that traveled from his leg to his lung, which caused his heart to stop, and also a stroke weeks later that caused his heart to stop again before being brought back to life. This was an extremely complicated medical event, and I was the only friend or family that he had in Vegas. I tried my best to see him almost every day and hosted his family at my home when they came out to assist and take care of him at Sunrise Medical Center. He would have done the exact same thing for me. All of those trips to the hospital while working my two on-air shifts is what I needed to do. And I had a much better understanding of not only who was suffering in the hospital, but all the doctors and nurses who had a much more important role in life than me 
as a sports talk radio host. During these hospital trips, I was able to host my radio shows, and I was always covering the NFL as my focus remained on the playoffs and the upcoming Super Bowl in Miami. Everything changed on Sunday, January 26th, when a helicopter crash claimed the life of Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter Gigi and seven others as they were traveling to a basketball tournament And the chopper went down in Calabasas, California. The horrific moment would be the only significant topic of conversation on sports radio for weeks. And one of the most important incoming radio calls of my career happened the next day when my son John called my radio show from college at the University of Oklahoma where he attended school as a freshman. You see, my son loved Kobe Bryant. Kobe was his favorite athlete. And I have so many memories of my son going to Staples Center when he was a baby, when he was beginning to walk and talk. I remember when he said Kobe for the first time. This was his call into my Mad Dog Sports Radio Show. John, start us off. Uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Go ahead. Um, hello. Um, this is not how I think I'd make my first call to the show after a while. Um, this is still probably one of the hardest days of my life for Kobe. And I just want everybody to say thanks to Kobe. I want him to be remembered for Kobe, not compared to anybody else. And I want to say, um, I love you, dad. I love you, mom. I love you, Jason. And I can't wait to see you guys soon. Okay. Thank you. That's my son. I didn't know he was uh, calling in. So, eight 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 six two three three six four six. So, I didn't uh, expect that to happen. That was my son calling in from college, and uh, as I mentioned, as I opened up the show, pretty heavy day for my wife and all all Laker fans and everybody who cares about Kobe Bryant and just cares about. You know, his legacy and his family and obviously his daughter that passed away. Clearly, that would be the biggest sports story of 2020. What could be bigger than the loss of the great Kobe Bryant? So on to Kansas City. They beat San Francisco in Super Bowl 54. And that was usually the time throughout my career when I would take my first break in the new year and take some time off. That wasn't going to happen this year. I was dealing with the raw emotions daily when arriving and leaving the hospital on a daily basis, and it wasn't getting any easier, especially watching Michael learn to walk again as he struggled to get out of bed and just take a few steps. He wasn't going home anytime soon. My focus as March began was to get Michael back home to Atlanta on my watch. Many fraternity brothers of ours was checking in with me daily, and that turned into a part-time job. Driving to and from the hospital, I would check in with Mike's mom or son and also pass along updates to concerned friends and coworkers. I was the eyes and ears inside the hospital, and the important information needed to flow through me. Talking on the radio for six hours a day was unique, but personal calls for two-plus hours also began to take a toll on my life. My wife was amazing during these two months, making sure I had everything I needed to stay grounded and get rest when needed. 
She has and remains the glue of our family. And she could see the pressure of the hospital and all the work beginning to take a toll. My two producers, Bobby Machado in Vegas, Alex Hardy at Mad Dog, kept the shows on track and knew what was going on in my personal life. Mike finally was recovering, and we had to get him on a plane with a private nurse in mid-March as COVID was beginning to become a huge topic in Vegas and all over the national media. Many people talk about how shitty 2020 has been with all the COVID news, but it started for Mike and our close group back in January when the 2020 men's NCAA college basketball tournament was canceled on March 12th. That's when the sports world again turned upside down. We all lost one of the most important sporting events of the year, which affected billions of dollars in sports and television revenue. We got hit extremely hard in Vegas as the tournament is a massive financial windfall for our local casinos, which are packed with sports gamblers for several weeks, and it brings in actually more revenue than the Super Bowl. And I distinctly remember after the tournament was canceled that my jobs on the radio could also be in jeopardy. It was obvious that more sporting events would be affected, and I had to be ready to talk about COVID and sports, as it was more like breaking news during the day on my night show. I felt like I was working at Fox or CNN with those breaking news flashes coming on. What would happen next? And other games were being canceled, including the Golden Knights hockey in Vegas. But that's when we turned our attention to the NFL draft. Fountains were going to be the backdrop for player introductions. And the link would be the home base for the draft selections to walk on stage the weekend of April 23rd through the 25th. Think about the strip. The Bellagio Fountains, the drones and the aerial views. Players would hug the commissioner and put on their hat of the new team with all those views of the iconic Las Vegas Strip. My phone was ringing off the hook from friends who wanted to be on the Strip for this historic event. The draft was canceled on March 16th due to COVID concerns and Vegas. And the NFL lost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make a huge splash in a brand-new NFL market for the new Las Vegas Raiders. The only good news was that Michael went home that day to return to his family in Atlanta. And as I stood outside the hospital with Michael and his private nurse, I felt the personal satisfaction of victory for him. I often told him during the fight, winning was the only option, and he beat back death. There is nothing bigger than that. So all of these decisions to cancel or postpone major sporting events were correct, but it started to really hurt, especially from a caller and fan perspective. They weren't going to games. There was no one coming out of an arena at 10 at night calling me live. No one who went to a game who saw a walk-off home run opportunity being able to say, I just left. I was there. That was my career. That's what I made my name about talking to people live on the radio without a prepared radio show with producers writing my thoughts and telling me what I thought. I was on the front line of games. And the week in which the Masters was postponed was another major gut punch. All the while, I was paid to talk sports. And sports were disappearing 
from the 2020 calendar. The calls that I was receiving from friends usually included the question, hey man, how are you talking sports with no sports? I would laugh it off and remind people that Tom Brady, just signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was king. And every NFL team was drafting new players, now virtually. The NFL is king. And content was never better, 24-7. Around sometime in May, I noticed my sports talk radio host friends discussing non-sports topics on their shows. That never seemed like a good idea to me. If anyone thinks they're so entertaining to discuss movies, TV shows, and a lot of pop culture instead of sports, I predicted that sports radio could take a nosedive. Don't get me wrong, sports is fun and vastly entertaining, but most guy talk never worked and hasn't worked in this format. There's a reason why Howard Stern is the king of all media, and the rest are just pretenders or struggling comedians trying to earn an average living. Expecting sports talk host to pivot away from sports and provide comic relief during a pandemic, to me, was just flat-out stupid. I like to talk sports with tremendous passion and energy. That's about it. I'm just a fan behind a microphone. As I talked about going to a game or watching it, the key is coming out of a game or an event with strong opinions. That's basically what sports radio is. Even though some consultants want to help the format evolve from decade to decade, I knew that some of these suits would want to look busy and try to come up with new ideas to make themselves look relevant. This began the beginning of of many programmers and hosts trying to outdo themselves with lists, including the top 10 sports movies of all time and favorite candy bar brackets. I got to admit, the Michael Jordan documentary series, The Last Dance, provided a tremendous amount of sports radio content when it premiered in mid-April. It was fabulous sports TV, and I interviewed many former players who played for the Bulls and Insiders that helped frame many of the conversations around that series, and the fans loved it. It came at the perfect time to gain the interest of millions of sports fans who were in desperate need for sports entertainment as games were still being postponed or canceled. If COVID wasn't such a complicated topic to discuss on the radio in 2020, something much bigger was happening that would shake up the country and was many years in the making. Racial injustice and the killing of George Floyd on Memorial Day. More and more black athletes were becoming more comfortable and eloquent, talking about social and racial injustice based on the history of police brutality in our country. Colin Kaepernick took a knee on the sidelines of a preseason football game four years ago, and everyone had their own opinions on this sports and news topic. Was he disrespecting the flag and the military while peacefully protesting or doing something much more noble to get the attention of millions of people about their beliefs of police violence towards African-Americans over several decades. I was on the front line of this debate while hosting a two-hour show in San Francisco on 95.7 The Game, the actual Monday after Kaepernick kneels in protest. My original opinions have evolved on this topic over the years, and hopefully to a much more informed perspective 
all because of the hours on air interviewing others. What happened to Breonna Taylor in Louisville, and especially George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis, was a tipping point in our country. And people are still protesting these disturbing killings today. Now the summer of 2020 was all about discussing Black Lives Matter on sports talk radio during a pandemic. My speech communication degree from Geneseo State University didn't prepare me for this type of work, or maybe it did. The stakes were higher for what I said on the air or even typed on social media. Members of the sports media were dropping like flies because of mistakes made about racial injustice and sensitive topics. Stick to sports for me was no longer an option. I was ready to talk about everything, but it all tried to be tied into sports. That was my plan. If not, that's what gets you in trouble and alienates a large group of listeners. This is sports talk, not news or political talk. I had a good understanding of this because of my mentor, Andrew Ashwood, and my longtime radio partner of 14 years, Tom Looney, who's covering the news in Los Angeles. And we talked about these topics on and off the air and on this podcast. We were keeping a running total of how many American COVID deaths there were as we began every podcast and found ourselves diving deeper into racial topics more and more often. I, like most people, knew that these killings were unjust, and I decided to listen more. This was very important to me at the beginning of the summer, and it remains the same today. Listen. My dad used to remind me to listen more closely when I was a young boy. I would talk a lot, and he would remind me to think, which required listening first. Throughout the summer on Mad Dog, I interviewed many current and former black athletes about what was happening in our society and how it affected every one of them personally. Every show I dived in deep with multiple guests on the topics of COVID and racial injustice. It was the two most important topics in my opinion, and I wanted to be a leader in discussing the events surrounding these historical events. It was pretty clear to me that we were covering and discussing American history right before our eyes, and everyone's voice needed to be heard. While some continued reading lists about their top five fast food joints, I shook my head in amazement, and I just tried to work harder. I wanted to be at or close to my best on the air in 2020. Getting home at midnight from Mad Dog wasn't much fun at all. I hosted a four-hour show without a co-host, and I don't speak much to my producers or board ops on the air. Nothing personal. I just like to host my own show. Generating calls between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. Eastern when there are literally no live games is no walk in the park. But that's what I get paid to do. My producer, Alex at night, and Bobby during the day worked their asses off to have me prepared for everything in front of me. And Jared booked great guests to speak to all guests on relevant topics. I had incredible conversations with so many sharp guests who brought great clarity to very complex topics. I was proud of our interviews with Shaquille O'Neal, Reggie Theus, Olden Polonies, Akbar Bajabia Miller, Eddie Johnson, Pete Rose, Marcus Allen, and Joe Morgan, to name a few. They were going to talk 
and I was going to listen. In my 24 years on the radio, it's the most I've ever listened to anyone. What took so long? I was also asked to try something new out of necessity. My bosses at SiriusXM wanted to keep my show on the air during the COVID shutdowns, and that was a big deal to me and my family. The powers that be at Mad Dog were doing everything possible to save jobs for staff all over the country, and that could have easily sent my show on hiatus. They thought it was important to keep my voice on the channel and remain somewhat live in my time slot. That was an honor and greatly appreciated it, but there was a catch. Instead of being live from 8 to midnight Pacific, I had to record a two-hour show that would be replayed another two hours to make the entire length of the four-hour show. Sounded easy enough. It was anything but easy. There would be no phone calls, and I'd have to pre-tape all interviews and build 49 minutes of content twice. After much discussion with Alex, we decided to jump in and do two kick-ass hours of radio a day in addition to my two-hour local show. Each morning, I would wake up with a running clock in my head. I had to talk for roughly 95 minutes a day and have the show completed by 7 p.m. Pacific to upload to the satellite. SiriusXM sent me a roadcaster machine to lay down audio tracks from home and email files to Alex to build the show around music and commercials. I would do a 12-minute rant on a sports topic and then subtract that number in my head from the 95 minutes we needed to complete. The clock and math consumed me. I would drive over to Lotus Studios and tape two to three guest interviews with Bobby. He would email the audio files to Alex to put into the system. I I bet some thought I had it pretty good, only hosting two hours for Mad Dog. If they only had to trade places with us to see this radio math project. For over three months, we lived this life, providing sports radio content on tape to air weeknights. I loved it. The content was much stronger to me than a live show. But I did miss interacting with callers. That's what I do. Sports radio needs and deserves callers who challenge the host while also being dedicated to the format. I'm amazed that other networks have shows that don't include calls and actually go out of the way to avoid these personal interactions with customers. Imagine not giving callers a voice during a pandemic while also dealing with racial injustice topics in 2020. Seems hard to believe, doesn't it? It was nice to be home after my local show at 6 p.m. Pacific and have the Mad Dog show in the can. So I could get my body clock, I thought, back to normal. My wife deserved the medal for putting up with me during these crazy radio months. I couldn't turn the shows off in my head and clearly became more shut off to the outside world and day-to-day home activities. I apologize for that and hopefully learned a valuable lesson. While now working more from home, I didn't have the opportunity to decompress after I ended a show and brought that radio persona into my living room and bedroom. A lot of very good people lost their sports media jobs due to COVID layoffs that affected the bottom line of so many radio companies. I worked for two great radio companies along with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I love the people in management that I currently work for. I would walk into Lotus with a mask on and notice more and more staff and friends working from home. 
Watching the world react to COVID hopefully gave me more perspective on how precious it is to have a studio to show up to and coworkers to interact with. You see, there are plenty of times that I bitch and moan about the hours and pressure of doing my jobs to the best of my ability. And 2020 fortunately helped me become more aware of this. This is sports. Again, it's supposed to be fun. It hasn't been for millions of Americans in 2020. And we're nowhere near the finish line yet with COVID. I can tell you that my love for sports is at an all-time high. But there are many things that I don't actually love and certain decisions made by some of these league commissioners that I'm not on board with. It's all a work in progress. But I feel for all the kids that can't play their youth sports and for the parents that can't watch their children and neighbors play like they did back in the day. There's going to be books written about all the kids who didn't have a chance to go to school and be with their friends. All those canceled Little League games, Pop Warner football games, youth basketball games need to return with vibrancy in 2021. In conclusion, I started writing this after that trip to see my mom and dad in Naples, Florida. The Raiders were on a bye week after beating the Chiefs. It was my only time left in 2020 to go see them and enjoy a few days off. I was nervous. I knew I had a mask up. I didn't want to bring COVID to them. I missed my entire family and all my friends who I've been trying to stay in contact with. This year has been demanding and hard for many. I'm grateful and flawed. 2020 is a history lesson developing right in front of us with several roadblocks along the way. I'm happy for my wife and two sons who give me passion and joy every day. I also have a newfound respect for those who work on the front lines trying to help bring medical attention for those who have contracted the virus. Also, all the people who help serve those doctors and nurses in hospitals, nursing homes, and private residences. I came up with an idea in early December on my Mad Dog show to play the Super Bowl in Tampa this upcoming February 7th with only frontline workers in attendance. The NFL should conduct a national lottery and let the frontline workers enter and potentially win a ticket to the game. This is how you would sell out the building. It would be a thank you to all the great citizens who helped others. And I believe that this has traction going forward. All of these fans and frontline workers would obviously have to be vaccinated and test negative, but you get my idea. My friends Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman mentioned my idea on First Take on ESPN. Don't be worried about the PR backlash. Do what you can to facilitate. Listen, JT the Brick uh, uh, hosts a, 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 a radio show on Sirius sure. XM. I've known him for years. That's JT, my guy. I, go way back I love him. JT. He does a phenomenal yeah. job. JT, JT and I go way back. JT came up with an idea because the NFL was entertaining what they're going to do for the Super Bowl. JT the Brick came up with a phenomenal, phenomenal idea. He said, you want to you wanna pack the stadium for the Super Bowl? Make sure you fill them with first responders and all of those folks who have sacrificed and Great paid idea. the dues. Make sure they're vaccinated and fill the stadium with them. I think that's a oh, phenomenal that's a idea. idea. In other that's words, the NFL idea. has the means. The, the, the NFL has the means to pull it off. 
the NBA and other professional sports leagues have the means to facilitate those who are in dire need of a vaccine being taken care of. I'm just saying, right, I, I need to say something yeah. about JT, the BRICS idea. It's a great idea. How often is a trip to Phenomenal the Super Bowl, idea. you know, shown to be this, mm -hmm. this amazing prize? That is a great idea. Fill it with first people responders. in the stands at the Super Bowl. Fill the stadium. They could be, they could be filled to capacity. Everyone with two, with, yep. two with two doses of the vaccination, the first responders. I love it. That's right. No question. It's a little first way also to That's say right. thank you. I mean, it's, it's something that we can yeah. do in terms of our part uh, to say first. thank you there. How about that? Stay tuned. Nice to know others are listening. Now, what do we do next? I believe, like I always said, it's time to pick up the phone and connect with people that matter most in your life and go out of your way to help others, especially strangers who need your help and had a very difficult year. I didn't want to recap a year in review. We're all still sad that Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi died in a helicopter crash along with seven others in late January. Many legendary athletes and sports figures passed away this year, and it hurts. By the time you're hearing this, over 350,000 Americans have died from COVID. And this affects millions more when it comes to family and friends. Throw in an election year and the raw emotions that we all have going into the beginning of 2021. This year was one we should never forget. Generations will look back at 2020 and hopefully have a better understanding about life and death, along with hope and empathy. As we all change our calendars, don't throw away the old one. I know that I learned a lot by listening and showing up, and hopefully that has a positive effect on me going forward. Sports will return in the near future with vibrant fans attending games, and I will continue my passion to bring news stories to my listeners with the lessons that I've learned throughout the year 2020. I'm John Tornor, known as JT the Brick. Have a great 2021. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.